The Guardian. Smartphones, tablets, Facebook, Twitter. The past 15 years has revolutionized the way we use and share data. When the Millennium Development Goals, or MDGs, were adopted in 2001, technology was not so advanced, and this has meant huge gaps in the way they've been monitored. As we move into the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, we now have an opportunity to strengthen data for accountability and decision-making purposes. I'm Mark Anderson, and in this month's podcast, I look at how innovative ways of collecting and using data can support developing countries in both implementing and monitoring the SDGs. Here's Nena Nwakonma, director of the Africa program at the World Wide Web Foundation. The data poor will end up being the poor, and the data rich will end up being the rich, because data is the new gold. So the, the countries that do not have data are the countries that will not achieve their goals. Experts acknowledge that accurate data is going to play a vital part in meeting the global goals. These goals aim to eliminate extreme poverty, address the impact of climate change, and tackle inequality all by 2030. Christina Gallick is the UN's Undersecretary General for Communications. Here she is speaking from the UN on the day that the goals were ratified in September. This operation will not be successful unless we engage in a transparent way. Getting good data is fundamental because it will offer us the platform upon which we will be checking the advancements or regressions. Citizens around the world are demanding transparency and more availability of information. They're even devising ways of analyzing official data in order to hold their leaders to account. Africa struggled more than any other region with MDG monitoring. According to the Overseas Development Institute, just 28 of 49 countries in sub-Saharan Africa reported household survey data on income or consumption between 2006 and 2013. This means it's really hard to know how many people live in poverty or where those people are. This is just one of the reasons that there's so much interest in something called open data initiatives. I'm here in Dar es Salaam, and believe it or not, the city is buzzing with the words open and data. In the foyer of the Open Data Conference, there's a tuk-tuk that has been fitted with a Google Street View camera to take photos of houses and shops by the road. A lot of African governments like Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and Burkina Faso, just to name a few, have launched open data portals. But what is open data? I, I always think of open data as data that uh, fits two characteristics. Ben Taylor is an open development consultant for Twaweza, an NGO in East Africa. It is legally open, and secondly, it's technically open. In other words, it's not printed on paper, where somebody, if they want to use it, has to uh, very laboriously, manually go through and scan it in. Governments across the African continent have struggled to end entrenched corruption. This makes opening up data on where and how governments spend money an important way to build trust with citizens and improve accountability. Open data, transparency, open government as a whole is, it involves for countries like Tanzania quite a culture shift. The way the bureaucracy has previously worked uh, essentially has said information is power uh, and people are therefore very protective of the information that they have. Um, so the willingness to be transparent and public with that information has been very limited. Um, President Kikwete has uh, been a, a leader in pushing for transparency on a, on, for Tanzania. Here's Tanzanian President Jakea Kikwete speaking at the Africa Open Data Conference. It is an idea whose time has come. 
the road to us achieving open data will not be easy. It will have its own difficulties and challenges. Uh, I've sometimes been critical of the Tanzanian government in, in some ways in this field, but he genuinely has been at the forefront pushing for, for this openness. Dozi Ezigabalike is the chief of the data technology section at the UN's Economic Commission for Africa. <laughs> Many times a road will be awarded this year. After five years, the same road will be awarded again. After five years, the same road will be awarded Now, if you want to achieve any of those things, you have to involve the people who are supposed to benefit from the decision in making decisions. And for you to involve them, you have to make data available to them in a form that they can use. People have to be involved in monitoring that. Say, the road that you promised to build for us, did you build it? The water hole or whatever it is you're going to when was it built, when was it commissioned? All across the world, data is helping citizens to hold their leaders to account. So I'm Liz Carolyn, I manage um, the Open Data Institute's international development work. So my job uh, is to manage a lot of our work supporting governments in developing countries who want to start opening up data and information about what they're doing uh, to their citizens and, and, and to the broader uh, development community. I think Tanzania have recognised that uh, there's an opportunity here for them to be leaders within the region, uh, to set an example to others. And they're also recognising that the way uh, that, that the citizens' expectations are changing for the way that they interact with the state um, and that, that government needs, needs to adapt. Uh, and, and they're really at the forefront of figuring out ways that that can work in, in a sub-Saharan and, and in an East African context. I followed the elections in Nigeria, the National Electoral Commission, was pushing out the data. Someone opened a spreadsheet online so that everybody can be computing on it. Everyone was tabulating. In fact, I was tweeting, I was asking people, what are you using to calculate? Some shared jobs in the family. You take what comes from the radio, I will take what comes from the TV, I, will, I am checking on Twitter, and we are tabulating as a family. It has never happened in Nigeria before. Because in those days, the figures will be kept secret right. and they will start um, monitoring it and um, controlling it and adding and removing, okay? And by the time you know it, the ones who lost have won and the ones who won have lost. So, but in this case, there was a massive data revolution, I mean, electoral data revolution. And INEC had a hotline. INEC had a green number. INEC was on Twitter. INEC was answering questions. INEC was pushing. So there wasn't any way Mr. Goodluck Jonathan was going to come back the next day yeah. and said, no, it didn't happen. Where yeah. is he going? Because everybody's been tabulating from zero to yeah. one to three to federal level. So what is he going to challenge? In fact, this year's historic Nigerian presidential election, which saw the country's first peaceful democratic transition of power, illustrates the need for citizens to work in collaboration with other actors. Edward Anderson is a senior innovation policy specialist at the World Bank. We can not just rely on government, we need citizen data, private sector data, development partner data, academic data. It, it's a multitude of sources, which is a really difficult message for governments to accept because it's shifting the role of government from service provider to platform. But for governments to be more transparent, 
they need an ecosystem that supports the collection and distribution of data. Liz Carolyn from the Open Data Institute. So in, in Tanzania, what we see is a very high level mandate from the president to implement this, um, to, to implement open data there, which is fantastic for education, for water. Um, what we're trying to do now is to work with the National Bureau of Statistics and the e-government agency to help them figure out how do they make this uh, a reality in when it comes to implementing it within some of the rigid institutions um, that you see in any government. However, the incentives and ecosystems to make data usage practical and sustainable are still at very early stages. For example, the issue of who updates the data and what it can be used for is often ignored. We looked just at education data in primary and secondary schools. We discovered 13 government agencies were involved in producing this data, the majority of which at the technical level of staff never met each other. So there has been no master list of schools amongst these 13 agencies no way to effectively share the location of the 13 agencies with each other. And in fact, no real sense of community or network by which to do so. Good quality open data makes it possible for more people to analyze patterns and trends. With the right skills, they can make data-driven decisions and solve complex problems. And for the development agenda, this is crucial. According to the Overseas Development Institute, for example, as many as 350 million people worldwide are not covered by household surveys. These surveys leave out homeless people, those living in informal settlements, and in dangerous places. The Open Data Initiative in Tanzania, I think it's an initiative with a lot of potential. There are going to be some big challenges to take it a lot further. Uh, in particular, the same kind of challenges that people faced in Kenya are about encouraging people to use the data. There's big issues around data literacy. How, how well people are able to understand and interpret large data sets even when a lot of the analytical work is being uh, done for you as is the case with that initiative in Tanzania. Some of the most important data sets to help deliver the SDGs are probably going to be very localized ones. By their nature, this means that the data will be generated and collected at least in part by citizens on the ground. The classic example in Tanzania is the location of, of schools. Uh, if there are five different lists, one held by the examinations board, one by the local Ministry of Local Government, one by the Ministry of Education, etc., and they all have different locations listed for each of the primary schools, and some, sometimes the names of the primary schools are different, uh, without physically going and doing a survey and verifying every single school, uh, or, or finding some way of, of verifying uh, one data set or another. Uh, you're, you're stuck, you, you don't know which data to, to trust uh, and then it becomes very difficult also to compare um, whether schools with a, a higher proportion of teachers per pupil do better or worse than, than, than schools with less teachers. As with governments, citizens also need infrastructure in place locally to ensure that data collection can be an effective tool to help reach the SDGs. Dozi Ezigabalike from the UN's Economic Commission for Africa gives one example. Energy is a problem in Africa. Many people have these power failures every often. I'm a data person and I can think of a simple way to collect that data, not survey. Because if you wait for surveys, you wait for a lot of money, maybe once every five or ten years you go and do a survey about energy consumption in the area. By the time you do the next one, the data is out of date. But we can come up with a way to collect data continuously, and it's very simple. Every household here that has a electricity meter, which is every household, I can go there and design a small card, put next to the meter and tell the owner of the house, whenever you refill it, record the date and how much you refill. That's easy enough. 
that once you have that data, then the people who are managing the power supply would have to see this area does see how many how many hours of power do they have, how many hours of outage do they have in a month. What's the cost of that? Right. Here at the conference, I've just met Mary Chua, who's a student at Ardi University in Dar es Salaam. She's studying urban planning, but she's also a mapper. I am at Chakulabora Subward in Manzeseward. We are collecting data to fill our map. Mapping is a really powerful tool for development. People like Mary, who are building open source maps, which anyone can access and use, can help cities plan and businesses thrive. Okay, we are, we are, we are taking the information about that road. For it has how many, how many meters width? The condition of that road, maybe it is in bad condition, horrible, intermediate, and whatever the case. Mapping, and specifically GPS mapping, relies on pulling in existing data sets from large organizations like Google, and it also relies on data collected by individuals on location. We are collecting data by the help of our community members who used to give us information of different places. Okay, I'm Gilbert Mali. I'm the community member of this area. As for the community, the project seems to be very beneficial as it will help us to take precautions on which area which will be highly affected with the floods and which area will be low affected with the floods. In Dar es Salaam, which is Africa's fastest growing city, Mary's helping people gather knowledge about which areas are likely to be affected by flooding as well as the location of water points and toilets. Her work can help meet development targets like ensuring access to water and making cities more resilient. Of the 169 targets that accompany the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, 34 are shared targets that will require cooperation between countries to be met, and this requires access and sharing of a lot of data. Liz Carolyn, again. We've been working in, in about 30 to 40 countries around the world, including in sub-Saharan Africa. And one thing which is common across all of them is the fact that governments are slow to change. There's a lot of barriers to resistance, and uh, there's a lot of processes and systems which need to adapt. Uh, and this is why we identify and support um, leaders who, are, who have a strong vision for what they want to achieve uh, and who are figuring out ways to make that a reality in their own context uh, and to bring people from their own country, from their own government with them as they make that change. Going forward, things are looking good for the data revolution. The supply and availability of development data is growing really fast with projects like data.gov, aid data, and the International Aid Transparency Initiative. The UN and other organizations are also working towards making citizen participation a credible source. Dozi Ezigabalike is working with the Ethiopian government to develop apps that are so simple, people with no statistics training at all will be able to use them to report on food prices. One of the initiatives we are trying to develop is the initiative of citizen-generated data, the citizens as data collectors. Right. We are doing a pilot project in northern Ethiopia where instead of the statistics office going to do a survey on uh, food prices, we are trying to see work with the statistics office itself and the Ethiopian Statistical Association to see can we get the normal grocery operator?
Next month, the Open Data Institute here in London is organizing an Open Data Summit. And, um, the theme this year is Generation Open, global citizens who embrace network thinking. And with their open mindset, they're transforming sectors around the world, specifically with transparency, accessibility, innovation and collaboration. But we're still in the early stages. We're going to need a lot of cooperation between governments, civil society, business and the open data community if we're going to harness the power of data to meet the sustainable development goals. We, we need that ecosystem where everybody is contributing. And the challenge is to build, to design the rules of engagement that allows people to contribute and be part of that solution. Data has a way of getting out. Yeah. It will get out. Yeah. Nena Nakwama of the World Web Foundation agrees. So um, we didn't know that 15 years ago, but now we know that monitoring is actually half of the job. So we need data itself as a product of SDGs and data as a tool mm. for monitoring the SDGs. So data will be the live stream of the SDGs because we need to know what we're doing, where we're doing it, how we're doing it, and what we plan to achieve. That's it for this month's Global Development Podcast. All of our programs are available on The Guardian's website. That's theguardian.com slash global hyphen development and on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all podcasting apps. With thanks to Glory Kahamba, Mark Iliff, and Eric Cabandera, and to our producer, Carrie Stewart. I'm Mark Anderson, and until next month, goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.